Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition, version of Bill Roden on Sports here at MetLife Stadium, where, uh, you know, actually the Giants pulled out, pulled a rabbit out of the hat, thanks to the great Odell Beckham. We'll talk about that a little later here uh, with, of course, my co-host, Jamal Murphy. Good to be here. Exciting day of football, <laughs> NFL. <laughs> That's right. Here with uh, sound guy Kevin Keating, keeping, it, keeping the sound right. And uh, Raisa Kelly making us look good and recording everything fit to, to record. So we're all here as one happy family. So it's interesting. So, of course, today, you know, when we were plotting out the day, we're thinking, well, of course, the big story is out in Buffalo. Uh, no offense, Raisa, who's from <laughs> Buffalo, never has a big day in Buffalo. But right. oh, oh, she's from Rochester. Oh, now, oh, now she's from Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, so we thought, you know, it, you know, Colin Kaepernick was going to be starting for the first time, and you thought, oh man, this is uh, going to be, you know, that's going to be the lead, and I mean, it was, but they got destroyed, man. I mean, they lost forty-five, sixteen. Ouch. Oh, uh, and his numbers okay. I mean, you know, he had started since twenty fifteen. Right. His numbers okay, right? Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, what? Twelve for twenty. Thirteen for twenty-nine. Um, 187 yards, a touchdown. He also rushed for 66 yards. First half was much better for the whole team. I mean, they were right. in the game. It was a game for the first half. Right. I think he started off like eight for 11 or something right. like that. Ad- so he adrenaline. Was really, yeah, you yeah, know. He he, he's when rusty. He's, yeah, he, he's real rusty. And then when he scored the one touchdown, this Twitter Twitter world was going wild. Yeah. One for the revolution. And, exactly. And you then, know, blah 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 blah. There were some Twitter beefs out yeah. there. You That's know right. I mean? That's I saw, right. I saw. I saw. Uh, Gottlieb from CBS and uh, Bomani from ESPN, you know, little little uh, tension in the room, in the right. Twitter room. Right. Um, you know, Kaepernick, yeah. the Kaepernick issue seems to uh, really touch people on both sides. Yeah, well, you know, people, um, I think even you had some, well, we, we talked about it, uh, and we'll get to that later on in another segment that a couple of people had things to say about it. But, uh, but you know, interestingly enough, you know, things got back to football. Right. Uh, Tyrod Taylor had a sensational game. He yeah. kind of put the revolution on the sh- yeah, on the show. Because who, who's about the police to the uh, oh uh, <laughs> your boy right McCoy Lashawn McCoy shady shady, Mc- shady McCoy. McCoy. He was very shady. His <laughs> actions were shady. He uh, he said he reportedly um, invited about twenty policemen to the game uh, beforehand. He said it was planned before he knew Kaepernick was going to start, but right. it was very it was a big coincidence. Um, so he, you know, he tried to put the pressure on Kaepernick and, and the movement, and he he showed up. Well, he did show up. <laughs> <laughs> he showed up, and you and you mentioned before a lot of had that probably had to do with he was facing his old Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly. I, I right. mean, I think that was a big thing. He just wanted to like shove it down Chip Kelly's throat. But you know what? It doesn't matter if he scored a million touchdowns. Chip Kelly is still, you know, that's true. He, I mean, he's still there. And he's going to get another job when he gets fired from San Francisco. But one. you know, but but actually, the big story was really right here. Right, right here, man. Uh, Giants win. Uh, it's a record-setting day for Eli Manning. But Odell Beckham, man, you know, crazy, uh, but entertaining. Odell Beckham uh, came through, man. This guy. Oh, this, oh, this he came. He, big, he big came, football. He came through all right. He had he had eight catches <laughs> for two hundred and what is it? Two hundred twenty-two yards. Okay, and that's the biggest game I can remember seeing. Uh, well, Julio Jones had uh, had. 300 receiving yards right. a couple weeks ago, but right. besides that, that's you're not going to see too much of that. So, but the game winner, I mean, that's, and the game winner, yeah, I forgot game about winner. that. 66 yeah. yard game winner, game winner, 66 man. yard slant, yeah. uh, game winner. Like Eli said in the press conference, he hit him in stride a couple times. Good for Eli, finally hitting people in stride, <laughs> and it, uh, it can go a long way with that. So, right. I mean, people have been waiting for this uh, Odell Beckham to show up. He showed up in a big way. I mean, yeah. you know, 222 yards, man. Come that's on. big. And uh, I, I actually asked him, I know for all the Giants fans, uh, you know, he, when he finally showered and came after about an hour, yeah. uh, I asked him, um, you know, did he think this team was finally hitting the stride? And he gave an interesting answer. Last one. Finally be hitting the stride. Uh, I, I think we're on the way. Um, 
it, it's just a matter, you know, there's only one game. You got to go out next week and, um, you know, do the same thing. And, and that, that's the only way you're going to be able to tell if you're hitting the stride. Uh, so, you know, we got a tough challenge next week in London um, against the Rams. They're, they're a good team. And uh, should be a fun opportunity, you know, Twickenham Stadium. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to everything that comes with it. Well, after all the analysis of, of your play and some of the antics that was going on the first month, having a game to, like today, over 200 yards and a couple of scores, do you think you made a statement now that it's really all about football? I don't know. I, I go out there and I'm going to play the same way every time. I don't think I really, um, I don't think I played any different besides me being injured. You know, it was the same, it was the same passion. I just tried to, I, I think because I was hurt, I couldn't, Express it as much as I wanted to. Um, you know, I couldn't even I couldn't even yell to my coach and tell him something. It just, uh, like I said, God's God's good. And um, somebody else asked him because you know so much of his career, his early young career, like he said, he's only 23, uh, has been um, so much you know just bizarre stuff, kissing the net. In fact, he went he's to, still doing it. Yeah, he, he, he hugged. He, had he made whole, love to the net. He okay. made love to, and he may, actually this is we have a cut where he, uh, I think Gary Myers of the Daily News um, asked him about what was that about, and so Dale went to a whole thing about how he actually proposed. Well, this is this this is what he said about his relationship to the net. You know, we're, our relationship's growing. Um, <laughs> I thought we, you know, we might as well make it serious. Um, I proposed. She said yes. So. You know, me and me and the net are gonna get married sometime soon. You know, just hopefully it all works out. I'm I'm 23. I don't know much about marriage, but uh, she seems like a pretty good gal. Interesting looking children. Yeah, they'll be nice, blonde nettish. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very sweet. Yeah, it was very sweet, bizarre though. I mean, brother, brother's bizarre. With a straight face. He was saying all that. Yeah, I, said, I would wait for the last. Okay, wait for the last. Yeah, maybe maybe he's serious. Maybe maybe the, maybe the first the first human being to get married to a net. Exactly. A kicking net. I mean, people have their little you know, fetishes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, ask Rex Ryan. Yeah, that's right. His some his was a feet. Right. He's a foot fetish. Might, some people like the net. I might take a net over feet, personally. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's another podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I can't get it. Well, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So so um, no, he's bizarre. <laughs> but Foley, maybe one day we'll uh, we'll get Odell on the on the show. He can kind of yeah. explain his. His thing, but, but you know he's, I mean, he's a hell of a receiver. And, as, and you know, as we saw today in the locker room, he's a superstar. Um, I mean, every I mean, he was the only show in the locker room. Right. He takes over the middle of the locker room. I know. We right. have we have some footage of that. We'll probably show you. And then, of course, uh, Deion Sanders. He he does this thing on uh, NFL on NFL Network where he skypes guys at at the end of the game, and that became an event. And so. You that was bizarre. Odell too. Beckham's just sitting in the locker room talking to uh, Deion Sanders on the phone, and and everybody stays. All the reporters and were tapes right. it. I I taped it. Everybody taped. Everybody it. Everybody taped. We were there, of course. You know, I have like dinner reservations. So I was like, "Come on, gang, we gotta <laughs> right, get the right. hell out of here, man." Right. But uh, no, so it was, you know it was a good day at the ballpark for uh, Giants fans and um, Ravens. You know, we we we'll talk to Mike Preston a little later, who covers. Uh, the Ravens, he'll tell you about that train wreck because this this may have been the beginning of the end for their coach, their head coach. Well, they're, you know, they're both 3-3 three and three now. They're, you know, when I come into this game, to me, it was basically two average teams, mm-hmm. Giants 2-3, and three, they were 3-2. and two. Now they're both 3-3. Three and three. We don't know what this means for you because neither uh, one of these teams is you, a good team. Uh, even Pittsburgh lost. I mean, All right. yeah, you, yeah, I mean you, know. you never can tell. No, you know. And uh, the Panthers lost. They're 1-4. and four. They lost to Cam Newton was back from a concussion. Uh, I thought that they would blow out New Orleans. New Orleans wins, and now the Panthers are one and four. One and four. I mean, but see, I know they're playing down in New Orleans. So right. It, so you never know. There, there's a whole. The Saints are a completely uh, different team. That's when true. They, when, when they're indoors. So again, you know, this is week what six? Week where? where six. Week six. So there's still so much to play. Um, again, I still think that Eli, you know, has one more Super Bowl run in him, and you can never judge him by regular standards because normally he, they end up terrible and then he kind of they stumble into the playoffs and then they have this Super Bowl run so this year has been up and down today was today was an up day and he broke records he passed Elway and I think yards or touch you know touchdowns he set a touchdown mark threw for over 400 yards 
today, three touchdowns. So I guess you're, said, I guess you're uh, right. Maybe he has. I thought he was dead. Well, no, no, no Lee, he, no, Lee he he's never dead. Uh, he's just erratic. Right. But he said some interesting things. I guess we'll pull up some sounds just so he, everybody can. He, he always says the same stuff. But right. So maybe we just won't. for the record, maybe we won't. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's it. You know, we thought Kaepernick was going to be a uh, big story, and and still, I mean, the the idea of of uh, the issues he's raising is still a big story. Of course, right. we've talked at least two or three podcasts now about the next level. Right. What's what's next? And uh, I'm going to be writing about that for the undefeated um, uh, in a column I'm working on about what I think should be uh, the next step. Right. Um, but the next step is for us to take a break. And to uh, get the hell out of here for a minute. But we'll be back. We'll be back with uh, my friend and colleague from the uh, Baltimore Sun, Mike Preston. And, uh, of course, we'll be followed. Uh, we'll follow with a segment. You know, Jamal did some time in Brooklyn with the, with the Nets. Some time. And, and some time with the Nets. And he did a little more time with the Knicks. So we'll, for all you Knicks fans, uh, we'll have a little bit of that. But, uh, yeah, so here we are at MetLife Stadium. It's good day. Good day at the uh, – at MetLife. Yeah, everybody everybody leaves happy. Everybody right. Everybody everybody goes home a winner. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back in just a couple seconds and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Everybody and uh, welcome back to uh, Bill Roden on Sports. We're here uh, at uh, beautiful MetLife Stadium uh, with, of course, you know Jamal Murphy, co-host. Yeah. Thank you. I'm and, still here. And the down, of course, the regular crew, uh, Raisa Kelly on camera and uh, Mike, uh, Mike, Kevin Keating on uh, on sound, and joined with a uh, special guest, great guy, long-term friend and colleague. From uh, my old paper, the Baltimore Sun, the legendary Mike Preston. You're talking about me? Yeah, talking about leg you. Legendary. Yeah, yeah, no, man. All right. Le- well, after you leave, when you leave, then you become legendary. <laughs> now you're a legend. No, no, when, no, when I leave, I'm going to become an icon. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it up to another level. An icon. The iconic <laughs> Mike Preston. Man, Mike Preston is, uh, look, we've been knowing each other forever. Um, uh, He's been at the Baltimore Sun almost as long as I was at the Times. He he joined the uh, first of all he's from Baltimore, which I didn't realize. Oh, many years I knew this. He was just telling me, a I didn't know this from Baltimore, but you were in Baltimore. You went to um, Kenwood High, then you went to Towson, and I also didn't know not only you were on the football team at Towson, but you were the captain of the football team. Which you know he made it a point to tell me he was the captain of the football <laughs> team. As you should. Three year starter. Yeah, you gotta tell yeah, your people yeah, yeah. you're a captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a big deal. You know what I mean? If you if you don't want to tell people that, right. you shouldn't have played, but right. it's, it's an honor to be a captain. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A true you're, leader. You're, yeah. You were elected yeah. captain, right? Right. Uh, you weren't appointed captain. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was a captain and an offensive lineman. That's even that's more right, right. special. Right, right. An right. offensive tackle. I didn't know all this stuff, man. How good were you guys when you were there, when you were at Towson? By the time I left, Air Class had the highest winning percentage of any class at, at Towson. As a matter of fact, it still might be the best. I don't know what we were, but I think we were 7-3, and 8-2, and 9-1, and, and then last year we were 5-5. Five and five. Wow. So we were pretty good. You mm-hmm. were pretty good. Yeah. So what? So you did have a trial, right? You went to uh, you had a spin with the pro football, right? Yeah, I went to the Canadian League, Montreal Alouettes, mm. back in the old days with uh, – Tom Cousineau, yeah, um, yeah, Billy yeah. White Shoes Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And I think you had like 11. You could have 11 Americans on your team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I go there. And, of course, I'm from a small school. Mm-hmm. But our helmets had the T on the side. So <laughs> I kept telling everyone I was from Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a better shot of making the team if right. you had that T on the side. Man, you from Tennessee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got down on the last cut. Hey. And then uh, I got sent home and then just said, hey, it's a long shot. Let's. Get started on a journalism career, and then that's how I got into business. Uh, so now, so at Towson, you were a journalism major at Towson. I was a communications major. I mean, that's that's so. That's um, I was more, yeah, yeah, so I went into broadcasting. I wasn't very good, mm-hmm. and then I went into uh, the newspaper business because my teacher told me my uh, my stuff was very good, was well written. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to try this. So I've been there ever since. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, I think like I said, '83, uh, you went there part time, and then '87. 
because they put you on the clock, right? The full time. When they finally figured out that I could write, yeah, mm -hmm. I actually knew what I was doing. Right. Who, who was that? Sam Davis, the sports editor there. He is the uh, managing editor now. Sam Davis. Yes. Is you, didn't, you didn't know that. Oh man. Sam, Sam, is the, Sam is the man. Sam yeah. is the man. Boy. And, and, you know, he started out like I did as a clerk. Ex exactly. And, That's uh, when I knew him. When one, yeah, started. one year before me. And then he, he just worked his way up. And oh, he was the man. sports editor. Then he became yep. the assistant managing editor. And now Sam is the guy. Man, that is one of the most incredible stories. Because, yeah. you know, you're right. When I was there, I was there from, uh, I think, 78 to 82. And I think at that time... Uh, Sam may have joined late, but he was like a clerk, not a clerk, but, you know, whatever the position is when you're, you know. Um, you go for it. Yeah, go for it. I didn't want to say <laughs> that. Yeah, but then I guess imagine that. That's, that is that's remarkable. He's yeah. from Baltimore, too, right? Mm -hmm. Carver High School. Wow, yeah. man. Yeah, that, that's a great thing. Uh, it is. A, it's a wonderful thing, and kind of particularly in our business, particularly in sports, man, because keep telling people, when you go to these press boxes, there's, whole, there's not a lot of black folks in these press boxes. Not, especially when we started out. Oh. Yeah, it was I mean, like they're, they're, almost non-existent. And, and most of the African-Americans who started out, I don't know where you started, but we all had to start covering high schools. It, it's not like, oh, you guys can't cover anything else but right. high schools. You have to start out at the bottom. Right. And uh, we did because mm -hmm. that was the way to get your foot in the business and work your way up. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sam was a year ahead of me, but Sam wasn't a very good writer. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell you that. <laughs> and now, I see, I, you know, he's had to been there for a long time to be able to say the manager <laughs> couldn't write. Oh, heck yeah, man. Because every <laughs> editor thinks they can write. Right. So well, why do y'all think you became editor? Now, I know people, well, how am I going to say that? But, but that's true, though. And he, he knows that. And I was, like, biting right on his butt of <laughs> taking that position, that writing mm. position. And he just said, hey, no, let's make room for him. I'll, I went into management. And mm. he's been my boss. And we're very good friends mm. all the way through. Mm. And... Uh, doing well and and you know i've had my own share of success so yeah. uh we're two of the guys that can actually st that stayed in their hometown mm -hmm. worked for the the local newspaper and and, and 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 finishing pretty well that's great man that's really a great a great story let's let's talk about the dismal news first i mean yeah, the raven yeah you've actually been covering the ravens for how long ever since they came to baltimore I mean, actually i covered them the last year they were in cleveland I had to go yeah. stay in Cleveland when they were still burning down the stadium <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, calling Art Modell all kind of great names there. Yeah. I, I had to stay in Cleveland for mm. the last six weeks mm -hmm. because remember the news that was announced before right. Right. Um, they actually moved. And then they came here, and I've been covering them ever since. But I was the beat writer for three years, and then once uh, Brian Billick came, I became the, the columnist. Well, well, those were like? good times. Mm -hmm. Billick, oh, the Billick times. Right, right, right. Oh, there were good times for Brian Billick. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we had our things going, man. Okay, I mean, okay. And, 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 and you know, you're a columnist. If you don't get in an argument with a head coach or players, then you're really not doing your job. It's not like you set out to do it, but if you see things and you write what's in your heart, you're going to have fights with people right. and uh, – Brian took it a little personally. Yeah, yeah. And and so did I. Uh, right. You know, if he jumped me, I'd uh, jump back. I'm, right. I'm from Baltimore, man. Right. We, like, we right. like to fight. <laughs> now, you from <laughs> East or West Baltimore? I'm from East Baltimore. From East Baltimore. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Essex kid out there in, in, wow. in, in that tough part of the town, man. Wow, so, uh, you, you, we like to fight. Right. But you didn't go to Dunbar, though. You skipped over that. You no, skipped over that part of East Baltimore. Yeah. That, well, that was a great school. Well, it was Kenwood, a, a private school or something? No, I mean, it was a public school, but we had uh, very good football teams and very good wrestling team. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when Brian came to town, he he made a point at, at going out after me because he knew I was kind of the voice of that team. And he liked to fight, and I liked to fight. So it was two guys that just kept going nine years. Wow. Boom, boom, really? boom, boom. Really? There's never any peace? Still isn't any peace. Wow. I don't think we've spoken to each other since he left. Wow. What was what was what was your main critique of Billick? And what that I mean, I know he that he couldn't he really couldn't walk on water. I know that. But what was your main <laughs> critique of Billick? And what was his main problem with you? Brian, as a football coach, great motivator, great organizer. But I didn't think he was a great X's and O's guy. Mm. But he was the right guy at the right time for Baltimore because you had Ted Marchibroda, mm. who was near the end of his career, an older guy who, who had no communication, no rapport with the players. And then you bring in Billick, Billick who has that, that electric right. personality, right, right. Uh, who, who loves all of these four-beat, five-syllable words. <laughs> his faces are plotted all over Baltimore and yeah, billboards. Right. But uh, the thing with him was he made the mistake of uh, the PowerPoint presentation of 
do not talk to Mike Preston. If you wow, talk to Mike wow, Preston, wow. Um, we will fire you. And that was for wow. the assistant coaches and head coaches. Wow. Well, Bill, you, you know, I was pretty good friends with the, the players back then. Right. Of uh, Tony Saragusa, and Rob mm. Burnett. They mm. would come out of the meetings and say, <laughs> I can't talk to you. And I'm uh, like, what? And he goes, because no, because Brian said, you, <laughs> you are a bad guy. Wow. And we talked to you. And they tried to get him to change the players and, and some of the PR people. And he wouldn't do it, so it, it was on. It, it was definitely what, I mean, on. What was his? What was his problem? Because at, at that time, I mean, what was his problem? It was something? Right. I mean, he yeah. didn't come in there. Well, you guys didn't come in there with you two issues, right? You come in, everybody's got a clean slate. What was? What? What happened? The thing was, he, if you're not part of the team, you're, you're against him, and that was his way of thinking. And uh, he was very popular in that town. I mean, and everyone loved Brian Billick, especially for the first eight years. Right. Mm. And then here I go, and I'm the guy who kind of takes them on. Mm. And, 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 and there are problems. And the biggest problem, and I told him about this, I said, Brian, you're going to keep doing that. But what you don't understand is 90% of your team is African-American. Mm. And you're putting my face up there every day. So you're putting that African-American face up there every day, telling them not to talk to me. You think that's not going to come back and bite you? Well, what did he say to that? And he just, well, we'll see what happens. And we did. We did, and it, it, it turned. It, it, it just kind of turned because I've been in a locker room. I, I know about players and what's going on mm -hmm. there, so that was fine. That was just the way it went down. Just just as a – and we want to talk about the, the, the these Ravens with, with Harbaugh, but just as a as a, as a a matter of coverage, as a journalism court, how do you deal with that? When you are the, uh, the, the beat writer, then you become a columnist, you know, how do you deal with an, in an adversarial – situation like that when particularly you know like the Baltimore sometimes I, like at the New York Times I th I felt you know you know like this large nation I, to to I don't even care right. I mean I'm a right <laughs> I, don't, I don't really I really literally don't care you know but I, I think in yours you kind of you have to it's like fighting in a phone booth well I think you better be you have to be aware of your age mm -hmm. because when I was the beat guy I was younger so I still could have those relationships with those players. I kind of understood what's going on in their world. You know, now when I go out there, if I say the Beatles, they, they, <laughs> they have no clue who, who the Beatles were. They have no clue who the Jackson 5 were. Um, you, you have to talk to them about those things. So I've gotten to that point where I'm not going to build relationship with these guys because most of them, I'm old enough to be their father. Mm -hmm. So right, right. I, I'm not going to try to establish that. But when I was younger, I was very careful of how I dressed. Mm. I dressed like a player, tried to fit in in the locker room. Mm. Now, I, I, I'm like you. I, I don't give a darn. <laughs> I just go <laughs> out this there podcast, and do my you thing, don't man. give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better be careful where you're at these days, man. Uh, you know what I mean? What, so, so what was the highlight of uh, What was your relationship with Ray Lewis? It was very good f in the early part of his career. And, 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 and you know how that goes. When they're young, okay, they like you because they're kind of finding themselves. But once they get a little big-headed, mm. and especially at the end of the career when you have to start getting on them, critiquing them a little bit more to say, hey, you've slowed down, right. that's when that relationship becomes strained. Mm. Now, the, the really smart guys, they adjust. But the superstars, they have a tough time adjusting to that. And uh, at, one, at one time, I could call Ray any time of the day, pick up the phone. Now, he won't talk to me at all. Really? Not at all. Wow. Because um, it was the end of his career, and he's starting to slow down. And uh, I'm jumping him a little bit. So, so do you look at that positively, where, you know, I must be doing my job if, if these guys aren't talking to me? Well, you know, you just write what you see. Mm -hmm. And if they can't deal with it, that's on them. It's not on you. You just do your job. So, Ray, when I was writing those great things about you, you were a great player. You were the best player in the National Football League. Right. But at the end of the, your career, you're not the best player in the National Football League. And it's just a, a, nobody beats father time. Right. And not even the great Ray Lewis. So uh, maybe when he gets a little older, we'll come back and uh, have that chat and sit down and hug a little bit with Brian Billick. That will never, <laughs> ever <laughs> happen. Wow. Might start choking each other right, right wow. there. Did you, did you ever have a confrontation with Lewis? Or he just said, I didn't like that. I'm never speaking to you again. You know, the thing with Ray is um, Ray would never say anything to me. Um, and actually, when people would come in and say things about me, other players, he would take up for me. Oh, wow. But 
we knew it was strained, and I respected him for that because there are a lot of times these guys could show you up. He would not do that. He would just let it be known that he disagreed with me, and I'm not talking to you, but he would never go beyond that, and mm -hmm. I respected that as a, as a man and as a player. So let's, let's talk about Harbaugh. I mean, you, you know, covered the, you know, the, great, the great years with, with uh, Billick, Super Bowl, and all that. Uh, now, what, what's it been like with Harbaugh? Because you, you know, they had, they've had success too. They, from the outside, it seems like a different, different type of person. Very much similar as far as motivation. And, and John is more of a high school, I mean, a, a college coach. That rah-rah T-shirts with the names on them and all <laughs> kind of slogans. Um, more of a player's coach than Billick was at the end of Billick's career. You know, in the NFL, it's the bad cop, good cop. You, you get rid of the bad cop coach, you bring in the good cop. Right. Uh, John is, is more of a, a, a player's coach, um, knows his defense, knows his special teams. His weakness is offense, which is why he's had five offensive coordinators in mm. five years. Um, tough year for John right now. Hasn't been to the playoffs two of the last three years. Has only had one winning season since they won the Super Bowl. Mm. And uh, the heat's on him right now. It, it's turning up a little bit. So uh, what happens with the Giants today yeah. says a lot about their season. And all, you say, you know, off – not being, I guess, known for offense, but it's, a, it's a, to me from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like he has much to work with on the offensive side. I mean, you look at the wide receivers; they're really no name guys. You got, what Steve Smith is there, but he, you know, old guy. Um, is it? You, how do you look at that in terms of personnel? What, what, what the problem is is they tied a lot of money up into veteran players that they still have to, to pay. So when you take a shot with Steve Smith, you're going to get what you paid for. You get a 37-year-old who's had an Achilles problem, who uh, kind of ran out of gas the year before that, and you see him struggling right now and can still play. Right. But it's a matter of getting him out there. Uh, Elvis Dumerville is another guy who has some age on him. He's not playing at all. Mm. Played one game last week, and that's it. Terrell Suggs can play and defense the run, but still can't get after the quarterback. You're seeing a team that still is, is, is older and – they don't have those impact players anymore. Right. I mean, especially on, on offense. And part of that problem is look where they've drafted before when they had those guys, the, uh, the, the Todd Heaps and even the Ray Lewises and the Jonathan Ogden. <laughs> they were number one, two, three, or four in the draft. When you start drafting back down because you win, mm. you, you don't get those stars anymore. And that's what has happened in this franchise. And some teams, uh, I mean, they all go through their cycles. I think the Ravens right now are in a cycle. Let me ask you uh, before we let you roll. You gotta come go back to this, this beautiful game out here <laughs> <laughs> between two. But you did a lot of Ray Rice stuff, and it's hard to. But a lot of people, right now, everybody's talking about Colin Kaepernick, and you've been around. There's an issue that's just so big, and then it's like the whale that eats the. Then there's another story that's even bigger. But but you were at Ground Zero, the Ray Rice thing. What was that like covering that experience? And did that change your relationship with the organization? And has the organization changed since then? So it's really three. Three things. What was like covering that? Uh, what was your relationship with Ray Lewis? I mean, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Ray Rice. And then, did that change your relationship with the organization? My my role with the organization will never change because I, I'm I'm the villain. I'm the, <laughs> the I'm the antichrist. I'm the guy who's going <laughs> to hammer them. Mm. All right, that's the way it's going to be, and it's not my intention to do that. It's just that that's kind of the way it has evolved. Mm. Uh, I had a very good relationship with Ray Rice. There was a time when Ray Rice would be out on the field, practice, it'd be very hot, and he would bring me water. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a true story. He would bring me water. Hey, man, I know you're hot here. Have some water. Wow. And then all of a sudden, this happens, and, and, and you got to take a stance. Hmm. And, and I still say to this day, if, if Ray Rice wasn't on videotape, he would be in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. right. But the tape was so damning to that guy. And I believe he's a very nice kid. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's a really good person. But a young guy who got caught up in alcohol and it kind of took over for that brief time, and that's the end of the career. And what I say to Ray right now is what I teach my kids. It's all about consequences, man. You mm -hmm. make a mistake, whatever you do, there are consequences for it. Well, you made that mistake, and the consequences are you're never going to play in the National Football League again. Mm. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to cry? Are you going to curl up like a little baby? Or are you going to go out and say, hey, I'm going to turn this into something 
positive where I can go out and help other people. And he's actually done that. Right. Mm. But um, unless he goes to Canada, he's been out of the league two, three years. And the last year he played wasn't very good in either way. So I think he's done. Wow. Did, did your relationship, you have, I mean, he, he was giving you water. How did that relationship change? I mean, did you have to start coming down on him? And you know? Well, you, you, you got to be critical, especially when um, he, he comes out and they have this story about, you know, the, the owner is supposedly uh, trying to show some favoritism toward him, which wasn't true, but he got some bad advice. So I go out and, and write that column and say, hey, you're going to be blackballed out of this league because one thing you can't do, can't throw the owner under the bus. Okay? You, you <laughs> wow, can't right. do that. Wow. You can throw anybody else under the bus, you can't throw the owner because there's only 32 of them in the National Football League, right. and that's a nice little boys club, and when you mess with one, you're going to – the, the wrath of the other 31 come down on you. Mm. And, and and I wrote that, and he didn't like that. So, But, th- again, that's just what we do. Right. You know? I mean, I, I, I didn't punch the girl. I just wrote the column. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the obvious, the obvious, you know, the ramifications it had on Ray Rice's career. But how do you think the Ravens have, have come around from that incident? Or have they – is there still a hangover? You know, I, I think they've done pretty well. At first, initially, uh, they did some really dumb things, but, you know, because they didn't see the video either. So they're talking about what a great guy Ray Rice is. He says, Super guy's great in the community. We're glad he's a Raven. We really love this guy. Their PR guy, Kevin Byrne, came out and, and endorsed Ray. And then all of a sudden, they see the video and went, oh my goodness. Then everyone looks bad. Then you got to call the owner up. He has to have a press conference. Where how often do you see that? Where the owner stands up and says, "Hey, I, I got to defend this guy. We got to tell you exactly what happened." And I think the Ravens learned from that. Mm. You know, because uh, they went through it with Ray Lewis, right? And then years later, the dynamics of the football changed. Social media, tweeting, blogging—you got to be aware of all of that. That wasn't around in 2000, and. They didn't, they didn't understand all of that. They do now because they've been through this and they suffered, but they've come back. Mm-hmm. And, and the best thing about it is is when you win, people that's right. forget. That's right. People forget. Fast. That's right. right. Uh, lastly, so down now, Kaepernick. I mean, that's the whale that ate the, 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 the smaller whale. Now it's been Kaepernick. He's starting today. This is his first time. Just personally, as a former athlete and all that, uh, as a black man, what what do you think of the whole Kaepernick thing? Then I ask you just how you what you've written as a as a uh, as a columnist. But I, I understand what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with the position he took, but I'm not using the National Football League as that platform. Not at the national anthem. I think there are other ways he could have done it that wouldn't have been as disrespectful as I see it. Mm-hmm. But he wanted that. That that's what he he desired to do. I'm not into that, um, and I'm not into what has happened afterwards where little kids are now doing it. Mm. What, what, what do you know about what's going on out here? Right. I've seen kids 13, 14 years old. Hey, they're not standing up. Why? You don't even know what you're doing. You're just doing it because you saw someone on the, in the National Football League do it. Mm. I have a problem with that. Mm. Um, I, I kind of like what the, the Chiefs owner said. It's my team, my stage. Hey, I pay you. Mm. That sounds like boy. Now he didn't say. The only thing he didn't say there was boy. He, said, <laughs> he could say boy. He just said. Well, you know, I, I coach. I coach um, high school lacrosse. Oh right. Okay. And, yeah, and, I was gonna ask you about that. Right. And if my kids do that, you know, if they even threaten to do that, I'm gonna tell them, no, this is our team, but I'm the guy. Mm. These are my rules, mm. and you're gonna abide by my rules. Mm. And if you don't, then you just gotta go. Mm. Now these are these are white kids, black kids on your these, team, these, rich white kids. What the hell are these are black kids. For? These uh, are black kids. Uh, these uh, are all African American kids. Wow. Okay. Wait, what school? Uh, Newtown High School. Newtown High School in Owings Mills. Oh wow. Okay. I've been there for um wow. seven years. And let me, tell you something, Bill. Bill, let me tell you something, Bill. Let me tell you something. When I first went to that school, they had no won a, a lacrosse game in three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had no won a lacrosse game in three years because they they have no JV. Uh. And and all these people kept telling me, you're crazy. A black kid don't play lacrosse. Uh. You're not going to win anything. And I'm like, hey, one, I don't care about that. I'm trying to teach them to be men. Mm. But two, are you out of your mind? So three years later, we win the championship. Oh, my God. And, really? and, and all these people are, are flipping wow. out. Did you play lacrosse? Never. So how did you? 
Well, you, YouTube? You, you, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, this is this is Baltimore, right? right that's that's well, what we're known right, for. Right. Well, you know, because remember, when I went to Morgan, Morgan had that famous team about maybe my junior, senior year where they had all these all the football players start playing lacrosse. And that's when they kind of broke through. I think that Morgan became like the only HBCU that was like in the top five because they had all these crazy football players, Stanley, Cherry, and all these guys. They, they do great, yeah. And they, but they, but Baltimore was interesting. They had it in the public school system. It was mm-hmm. almost like an, it was like an outlier that for some reason they had lacrosse in public schools. So all these guys from uh, what's it, Cherry Hill, and uh, what was the school in uh, on Edmondson Avenue? I mean, that, those public schools had these really good lacrosse teams. Mm-hmm. But you never played though. No, Cherry Hill, Forest Park, yeah, Edmondson. No, I just went out, and and that's how I got on the payroll. Was uh, some people didn't want to cover lacrosse. What are you crazy? I- interesting enough, how we got on the payroll was Morgan State yeah. and Bowie in Western Maryland. At one point, had the three worst football teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Each week, after I left, yeah, depending <laughs> <laughs> on who had to buy, right? They had the longest streak, and no That's one right. wanted to cover them. That's right. And I'm like, you're, you're out of your mind. I'll, I'll go cover this. Mm. And the, my boss goes. Hey, you're doing pretty well here, and I'm sitting back there for five years being the gopher. And uh, what are you out of your mind? Uh, I, I played football, covered mm. football, mm. and that's how I got on the payroll. So um, no, I'm very active in the community as far as working with kids. You, you know, I, I mean, I, I come from a poor background, so I'm always going to go back and give. That, uh, that's just the way I am. That's so. great, man. I didn't know about the. the I saw the Newtown. You're wearing the Newtown. Uh, you were in your course, new time across, man. Yeah. You're the man, hey, Mike. Hey, hey, man, hey, we sit with the man. Hey, wait, wait, wait. And, and we take donations, too, because <laughs> we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> All right, new time. So where is that? In, in what part of In Owings Mills, Maryland. I, I'm two miles from the Ravens complex. Okay. <laughs> Do they contribute? Ozzy has been over and talked to our right. kids. Um, John Harbaugh has come over and talked wow. to our kids. Matt Stover has come over. And uh, Terrell Sucks has come over and talked wow. to our kids. So. Uh, that that's a great thing because you know something if you give kids confidence and you give them discipline mm-hmm. you got them but if you go out there you don't give them any direction and they see through that you, you can tell them all you want I mean and the thing was I knew I had to give them something because I didn't know all the X's and O's but if I gave them some discipline let them have some fun mm-hmm. and brought some of these guys over and they would say oh he knows what he's doing and uh, they believe I'd get them to run through the wall right now um <laughs> They're good kids. Oh, man, that's good. My guest, uh, our guest has been uh, the great Mike Preston, uh, columnist extraordinaire for the Baltimore Sun, coach, lacrosse <laughs> coach extraordinaire for Newtown. Newtown. Is it Newton or Newtown? Newtown. Newtown High School, Owens Mill, Maryland. Uh, just final question, man. We were talking before, as you said, it stunned you when you read that I had left the Times. and so, I, But it seems like you still, not that I didn't enjoy what I was doing, it was just time to move to another arena. But you still seem like you love what you're doing after all these years. But you, you got to have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's you know, people talk about Sam Lacey. I, he was yeah. one of the forerunners. He was my mentor at but, the Afro. But guys like you were, were out there, mm-hmm. who at the at the Sun. I don't know any African Americans who came after you who were sports writers. But I knew about you and knew where you were. So when I'm watching TV and they say Bill Roden has left, and I'm like. Oh my gosh! Another institution has gone, mm. and then you. you tell me you're still you're still in it, which makes me happy because mm. you're still involved. You're still doing what you love to do. So you got to have a passion, man. And anything you do, if you have a passion, you'll put in the work. If you don't, it gets boring. It gets old. Man, mm. I, I'll leave you with this, Bill. I still can't believe I get paid to watch fat men beat each other. <laughs> <on Sundays. laughs> that's a great living. Man. Right. That, that's fantastic. No question so, about it. it. Is. When you tell kids, I said, man, you know, I, like I'm in South Africa driving around South Africa at the World Cup. At some point, I'm stopping. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Like, they're paying me. I'm going to fill out an expense report. <laughs> they're paying me for doing right, it. Right. Super Bowls. And st- I mean, now, I wouldn't do it for free, but when you think of like, like sort of like a dream. Like, I, at the sun, now, by the way, I was a jazz critic. At the Baltimore Sun, I didn't even I was I was a jazz critic, but it was the same thing. I was like a concert because I loved the music. I was I was doing you know, and I'm like this career is just a phenomenal. Right. A ph- it's just a phenomenal career. But listen, man, we're gonna let you roll. I know you gotta watch the, these these guys try to play football, but I must tell you, man, all the years I've known you, you were one of the most solid guys 
one of the most solid guys I've ever known. Well, thank I you. mean, you just solid as the day. Everything you said here is just about following the truth where it leads. It ain't black. It ain't white. It's the truth. You're wrong. I call it out. You're right. I say you're right. That's just a remarkable. That's a, uh, just a remarkable lesson, man. In, well, in what you. we do. No, absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Good and a good brother too, by the way. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you guys for having me. All right, thank no, you. Man, pleasure, pleasure is ours. Nice thank you. We'll be right back. Thank you, Mike. Stadium. Um, we're, we're looking at the scintillating Jets, Gi- Giants, Giants, uh, Ravens game. But uh, but uh, I want to ask Jamal. I mean, you know, the football, uh, the basketball season is right around the corner. And Jamal right. took the initiative to go out to Brooklyn. Went out. You live in Brooklyn, but yeah, but it wasn't wasn't bad. Ten minutes. He went to went to uh, uh, Barclay to check out the uh, the Nets, and you also uh, went and checked out the Knicks. Yeah. So let's get a little. Many, you know, we always have to mention Knicks because we have a lot of, you know, we're trying to build up our, we're trying to get to that 75K mark, folks. Right. Um, but listen, give me a little, you know, yeah. about the Nets, man. Do they still have a franchise? They still have a franchise. You know, they're holding on. They're obviously, the Billy King era uh, kind of hurt them a bit. They're basically starting from scratch now. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting way they did it. Um, they don't have much talent. I mean, their two best players, I mean, their best player is Brooke Lopez. Whoa. And their second star, mm. in quotation marks, if you want to call him that, mm. is Jeremy Lin. Oh and boy! That you know, part of that st- that star power is mostly, uh, you know, social media or just you know, right. just a brand. Because right. he's more of a brand than right. he is that a player. That doesn't, that doesn't break that, you down. Yeah, that's tough when when right. Jeremy Lin is your second best player. No, so we do want him on the show. So right, but but you know, I'm just saying, you know, he's a <laughs> solid like, player. Like Mike Preston, like Mike right. Preston, got to follow the truth where it leads. Right, I'm right. following the truth, and he's a solid player, but. But he's their second best player. But they do they did surround them with a bunch of tough guys, a lot of veterans, um, guys who find their way on on a lot of rosters and stay there. Like a Trevor Booker, tough mm. guy. Mm. Randy Foy's been around mm. forever. Uh, Gravis Vasquez, a tough uh, defender, been in the league. So they're not they're not the type of team that from watching them a couple games. They they're a tough team, mm. and they're going to be a team that. People that even good teams don't want to play against, mm. um, and they're deep. Even their young guys like Isaiah Whitehead, they, oh, they yeah. drafted yeah, second yeah, yeah. round from Seton Hall. How, how's he been looking? Look good. Mm-hmm. He, you know, a couple pre- preseason games he's played, looks solid, can play the point, but also just tough. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the direction they went with their free agents and with their young guys. Mm-hmm. They want tough, no nonsense guys. Uh, Hollis Jefferson is a rookie mm-hmm. there. Same same type of mold. So they're gonna, you know. Uh, Talent-wise, they should be a 20-win team, really, when you look at it. But I think they probably squeeze out 30 wins somehow. And they're, and they're well-coached. The coach comes was, you know, assistant at, at San Antonio. So, you know, I think they're moving in the right direction. Inter- you know, but they have other things going on, just like just like every other sport. We, you know, we've been talking right. about Kaepernick, obviously. Right. Right. But the Nets came out for their first preseason game, and they, they had a little, I guess, uh, "Quote unquote protest." Kumbaya, right? Kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> can't we all just get along like Rodney King? You know, yeah, like Rodney King. Yeah, can't we get along? <laughs> but what did they along? do? What did the, what they, did the Nets do? They stood up. You know, during the national anthem, they stood up, uh, had one arm around the other. Very, very what nice. Is that? What you does know, that mean? I don't know. You know, I guess, can't <laughs> we all just get along? Yeah, don't rock the boat. <laughs> Maybe that's what you should have played. Don't rock the boat. Basically. So, so what? What did what you said? You you, you asked somebody. Yeah, so we, you know, uh, after that first preseason game, uh, someone asked Jeremy Lin, you know, what was that about? Uh, you know, was that some sort of protest? And he said, it, yes, it, it was a protest that they, the team had talked about. And uh, this is what he had to say: The unity you guys showed before the anthem, kind of, what was the purpose? Behind a lot of teams are obviously doing as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's, uh, you know, I spent a lot of hours thinking and talking with different people. But um, to me, the biggest thing is it shows that I think we all can acknowledge that there is an, an issue that is at hand, but how you go about that is really what we try to do, is arms around each other, solidarity, we're doing it together. This isn't, this isn't anti-cops, like this country needs cops, this isn't anti-minority, this country needs minorities, this is, this is what makes our nation great. We need both and we need more compassion, we need more empathy, or maybe not empathy, but we need more sympathy, um, where guys can 
take the time to really put themselves in somebody else's shoes. So if I'm, you know, a minority, I would, you know, I have to think about what it's like to be the the wife of a cop who's she's scared that her husband has to go to work. And if I'm, you know, if I'm, a, you know, the other side, I have to be able to think about what it's like to be a family member of of, of uh, you know an African American male who might get, st you know, like these are the things that we're not taking like. And I think like right now what we're seeing is not, it's not everything, but there's, there has been some division and increased hostility. And that to me is almost two steps forward, one step back. Um, so again, it's about solidarity. Um, and it's not lip service too. Um, like we wanna, like we as a team, I as a person, we as an organization, like we wanna be able to do things in the community going forward to be able to promote the same message. Um, like, if I were to just sit there before the anthem and do that, I mean, anybody can do that. It would be fake, it would be superficial. But we want to be able to actually do something more and, and, and be more proactive about, and which we we're talking about internally. You tell that mean. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you could tell he meant, you could tell he means well. That's, the, that's the, the dicey thing. I mean, you can tell that a guy like Jeremy Lin means well and he wanted to do something, but the, the thing with those kumbaya moments is they don't, it's not really saying anything. Right, yeah. What which, are you saying? Which we're, we're saying that I know who pays my salary, I know who pays my check, I got, I'm a Harvard guy, I know right. that, you know, I, that, you know, this is only a small part of my career, so I'm not going to rock the boat, I'm not going to burn it, but I'm an intelligent guy, so I'm going to give you a little bit of something over here, I'm going to give you a little something over here, and right. then I'm going to run for office, you know. <laughs> and no, it's light, it's light. Well, it's kind of dark, too, but it can be light as well. But dark and light, light, dark, light, dark, dark. But also, now, somebody asked him, um, you were saying, that he asked about the, the Trump thing, because, you know, that's been that's been the big thing now, locker room talk, right? right? right. About the, the locker room. So, so everybody now who who spent any time in the locker room has, right. got, has put Trump, has like, everybody now dizzy. Wait a minute, man. Got, that, that ain't my locker room. Yeah, we got to know what's going on in the, the locker room. room. <laughs> like, we, we, so we can try to go to the source. Right. So someone asked uh, Jeremy Lin, um, you know, have, did you hear Donald Trump's uh, statement about locker room talk? And uh, he kind of didn't want to go there, but. He had an interesting answer, and this was it. Uh, wait, I mean, if you're asking me what he said, that's extremely vulgar. Um, that's not something that's commonly said. Like, I mean, that's pretty, you know, disrespectful um, to women. And, um, like, that's definitely not a common thing. Like, we're not walking around in locker rooms. Everyone's talking like that. Um, trust me. Uh, I've been in a lot of locker rooms. and So, whatever. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it, but... Uh, you know, obviously, do I agree in any way with what he said? Not at all. So he is another player who says that uh, Donald Trump's definition of locker room talk, wherever he got that, Lynn says not in any locker room he's been in. I think uh, our, our sound guy, Kevin Keaton, came up with a good idea. We should really do a skit. Well, not, we, we don't do skits on Bill Rose right. on sports, but we should do a for something. We should ask a few people about locker room talk. Yeah. What's locker room talk what's to you? Room, what's, what does locker room talk to you mean? You know? Right. In the locker room. Yeah, in the locker room. We'll be in the locker room, and, and Rice and will shoot it. We'll say, we're in the locker room here, and we should have people like, blah, 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 Throwing, like, shoes and right, stuff right. like that. Locker room talk is really just hip-hop, a future, you know, and <laughs> music, right. hip-hop music in the locker room. That's locker room talk. <laughs> locker room talk. <laughs> Which, you know, some uh, right-wing people won't like that, so yeah, I'm sorry well, to cares, uh, tell man. you about that. Unless they win the election. Exactly. But now you also went to the other side. Well, you went to Midtown. You went to uh, Master Garden, and you talked to the Knicks, right? Right. And they, that's a whole different story, right? So the Knicks have high hopes. The fans are, mm -hmm. you know, we joke him Noah's in town. Delusional. Chris Stapp's Porzingis' second year. Yeah. Uh, Derek Rose. In California. In, who's, you know, hasn't been playing the last couple of preseason games uh, he's dealing with his civil rape case in LA and that's supposed to wrap up pretty soon um, from all accounts doesn't look like uh, Jane Doe uh, the plaintiff story is is all that tight uh, they see you know they doesn't seem that she's all that credible so that's what that's what that's what the rumors are coming back you know that's what's being reported from from that case mm -hmm. so we'll, but we'll see what happens right. you know but like i said it's a civil case so it's about money right, at this right, point right. but you know bottom line if they win if the knicks win it'll be case what what case exactly. what, what did you what did you exactly. he comes back and plays well right. that's well, what it is yeah. so you know i asked i asked carmelo anthony last night they played the celtics um in the pre in the preseason game at the garden i asked carmelo you know uh uh derrick rose has been out for you know, a couple of weeks, and I asked him uh, how long he thinks it'll take for them to adjust once he gets back, and this is what he said. Um, I mean, hopefully he'll be yeah. back in the next couple of days. Hopefully we want him to play uh, 
you know, maybe the final two preseason games. But, I mean, the, the way that he played, I mean, he, we, he's been there the first couple of weeks of the training camp and, you know, preseason and things like that. And, I mean, he'll he, he come right back in. The way that he plays, he'll he come right back in. We, we will have to adjust to him. Uh, and the way that he played, uh, the pace that he plays with, I think we'll have to adjust to him more than he will have to kind of adjust to us. We put some things in, but it wasn't nothing drastic that uh, I, I don't think he wouldn't be able to pick up fast. So Carmelo seems pretty confident. He seemed pretty confident. Derek can just did you ask jump him to back be, in. Did you ask him to be on the show? Not yeah, You know, I'm trying to ease my come way on, into that. You know, I'm trying to play it cool, you know. Yeah, right. You know, you know, once, we get, once we get real cool, I'll be like, you know, come on. You got to get him a big bottle of wine. I mean, apparently he's a That's wine true. guy. Although, That's what true. kind of wine are we going to give him? Right. You know? And I don't know if I should walk in the locker room with and give a him a big wine. bottle of wine. It might be the last time they yeah. let me in there. Yeah, well, just tell him. Bill wrote no sports, man. We just like, please. You know, anyway, um, speaking of speaking of ball, man, we had a great a great uh, interview with uh, Kenny Anderson. So if you listen to this, that's going to be coming up a little later on. Kenny Anderson, the New York high school legend, right. had a really a fascinating interview with him. Talked about abuse and talked about a lot of stuff that I didn't, I didn't really, frankly, did not know about. Right. So um, you know, we're going to be looking at that down the road, right? Yeah, great conversation, and we'll, that'll be up uh, Thursday this week. So right. definitely check that out. Um, he was a great guest, very candid. Uh, he, he has a documentary coming out uh, November 12th, Mr. Chibs. Definitely check that out. And based on what he told us, it, it, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty serious documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, you could join us uh, next week on Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, well, he'll be here with the crew. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll always stay. I think we're going to have a couple of Olympians coming up. We're going right. to have an Olympic fencer right. and an Olympic swimmer. Right. Uh, coming up, uh, talking Olympics and some other stuff. You just, uh, we, we, you know, we never just we talk more about what it is. We talk about, you know, what it is. But anyway, listen, it's been great, uh, and uh, we'll see everybody on the other side. Jamal, Kevin, Raisa. See you guys later. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.